I don't know if you guys know it, but uh, Lewis Howard has been a leader at Summit ever since I've known about Summit. And uh, um, Lewis went home to be with the Lord on um, either Sunday night or Monday morning, and uh, his service was yesterday. And so I want to open just with a, um, a moment of silence in honor of uh, Lewis. Uh, Lewis was a warrior for Christ, packaged in a gentle, kind, um, sweet man. And, uh, you know, the things that he did on this kingdom, uh, on this earth for the kingdom were absolutely amazing. So uh, let's uh, start with a, a moment of silence in honor of uh, Lewis, and uh, then we'll dig in. I'll have uh, some more to say. Uh, it's been an interesting week. I've been to two funerals this week, and so I want to share a little bit about those in a minute after we dig into the text. So let's start with a moment of silence in honor of Lewis. Lord, thanks for the life of Lewis Howard. Thanks for the impact that he has made on Summit. Thanks for the uh, difference that he has made being a part of Watermark. Uh, Thanks for the fact, Father, that uh, he was a fully devoted follower of your son. And so, Lord, uh, uh, although we sorrow to uh, miss being uh, with him, Lord, we celebrate the fact that we have confidence that he is with you. So be with the Howard family, and uh, Lord, uh, wrap your loving arms around them in a way only that you can. And so thanks for this time, Father. Thanks for these guys who have uh, gotten up and uh, given up part of their morning to come um, be devoted followers of your Son. So, Father, may we each uh, continue to take ground as we uh, be used of you for your kingdom purposes. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so it's spring break. We're about halfway through Summit. This is week five. And so I want to start in with a little review of uh, where we are in uh, the book of Matthew. And so you can divide Matthew into three sections. Um, The preparation of the king in the first four chapters, roughly. And then the presentation of the king from uh, chapter 412 through uh, about the middle of chapter 16. And then the passion of the king in the last part of the book. And the preparation, if you'll remember, about chapter 12, uh, the Jewish leaders reject the offer of Christ as their, as the king of the Jews and as the Messiah. And in chapter 12 in Matthew, this was right before we started in Summit, uh, the leaders start to plot against him. And so we see that, uh, um, From that point on, the Lord starts to teach in parables, and He moves from teaching in big open masses and gatherings like the Sermon on the Mount to where He's really shifting His emphasis to start to prepare the disciples for what is about to happen both in Jerusalem to Him and also for the beginning of the church. About 60% of uh, Matthew deals with Jesus' teaching and instructions. And you'll see the book is organized around five major discourses. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is certainly probably the most familiar one, but in uh, chapter 10 he talks talks with the disciples about sending them out to do uh, mission work. He gives them authority, and they go and do things in his power and in his name. And then in chapter 13 we have the Kingdom of Heaven parables. You remember that's a a series of... um, seven parables that uh, at least five of them start that the kingdom of heaven is like. 
and continues to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. We just finished the discipleship discourse where uh, he talks about the meaning of discipleship, and we'll see in chapter 19 that he continues that idea about discipleship. And then in chapters 24 and 25, we have the Olivet Discourse, which will be the Lord talking about um, His second coming and about future things to happen. So today, let's jump into uh, Matthew 19. And I outline Matthew 19 in this way, that in the first 12 verses, He uses the Pharisees coming to Him to test Him to uh, be able to show the real meaning of marriage. They ask a question about divorce, and uh, the Lord turns it around and uses it as an opportunity to teach what marriage is really all about. And then he takes a little child and sets it in front of him, and uh, he uses that to teach what the, the real meaning of uh, what it takes to enter the kingdom. And finally, he uses the rich young ruler and the disciples' questions to teach what it means to uh, be a disciple, what the real meaning of discipleship is all about. And that's where we're going to camp out today. So let's start by reading what uh, the Lord says about the little children. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now notice, he didn't say that the kingdom of heaven belongs to these children. He's saying that to be one of his followers, you need childlike traits. You need to be dependent. You need to have the faith and innocence of a child. And then going on, let's take a look at what he says about uh, uh, the rich young ruler as this person comes to him. And that's in Matthew. It it comes right after the heels of uh, Jesus dealing with the little children. And so, you know, oftentimes the Lord will teach something, and then in the very next uh, uh, thing that we'll see, He'll either um, expand on that, He'll use an illustration to explain it further. This time He uses uh, the dealing with a rich young ruler to provide a contrast to the um, faith like a little child. And someone came to him, and we know from uh, the Mark account and from the Luke account, and Luke especially identifies him as a ruler, uh, someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, was the Lord teaching that uh, keeping the law was the way to eternal life? Well, I don't think so, so we'll talk about that. Then he said to him, uh, the rich young ruler said to the Lord, which ones, which ones am I supposed to keep? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. I think that's commandment number six. You shall not commit adultery, number seven. You shall not steal, number eight. And you shall not bear false witness, which I believe is nine. And then in, in verse 19, he says, honor your father and mother. He drops back, and that's commandment number five. And then he closes with the second of the two greatest commandments, and he says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then the young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. 
And so what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, um, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I've got a house and I drive a car, and uh, does that mean I'm supposed to go sell all those things? Well, we'll talk about that. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owed, who owned much property. And so we'll have a chance to dig into each one of these. And let's start by comparing the childlike faith of little children versus the rich young ruler. And so we know that children are dependent. They're dependent upon their parents for food, for clothing, for shelter, for everything. And what was the rich young ruler? Well, he was self-sufficient in all ways. He was independent. The child had many needs. The rich young ruler, on the other hand, had many possessions. And so what did the children do? They were willing to come to Jesus, but after what the ruler hears, he leaves Jesus. And we can conclude from that that the child is a picture of humility. And that's why the Lord picked this as an illustration of what it takes to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the rich young ruler, on the other hand, a picture of complete self-sufficiency. He's not willing to give up running his own offense, is what we would say today. You know, and that's one of the hardest things for me to do. You know, I have been in position to be the rich young ruler. You know, contrary to what some of you guys may think, I was young once. And uh, I don't know if I've ever been rich, but I've had more than enough to do whatever I wanted. And uh, um, as a lawyer practicing law here in town for 30 years, uh, you know, it was a good life. And uh, um, ruler, I got to rule over uh, a law firm and to uh, um, have, you know, what I decided about what went on in that law firm be something that carried the day, regardless of what anybody else said. And so I've had that opportunity to do that. And you know, when um, Blake first came to me and said, hey, would you consider coming to be on staff here and to be the minister to men, the men's equipping director? You know, I told him, I said, you know, guys, I used to think that you guys were really smart guys at this church, but that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I can spell seminary if you tell me how many I's and E's it has, but... You know, I've never set foot in seminary, and I'm not really planning to go. And, you know, they said, hey, we are not looking for a seminary guy. We are looking for a guy who knows guys and who has had opportunities to lead men. And I have had those opportunities. Uh, But at the same time, you know, to make the decision to come to Watermark from practicing law was a pretty big decision. And it was something that uh, after much prayer, in discussion with a bunch of guys who knew me and uh, who knew what my strengths were and who knew what my many weaknesses were uh, and something that I processed uh, long and hard with my wife. Um, It was only after that that I made the decision to, yes, that I would try this thing. And, you know, it was funny. uh, My wife said to me um, after uh, we'd said yes to the opportunity, she said, you know, I knew you were going to take that job as soon as they offered it to you. And I told her, I said, well, why didn't you tell me and we'd save us a month or two of agony, you know? Um, I mean, um, I don't know about these girls sometimes, um, but I guess that's why we have them, to uh, uh, save us from ourselves. Okay, so let's look at the rich young ruler and let's think about, okay, what does it mean? He's asking for eternal life, but, you know, uh, the Lord doesn't teach that salvation is by works here, Uh, 
Christ didn't tell him that uh, he would obtain, obtain eternal life by doing good things. In fact, you know, the Sermon on the Mount makes it clear that none of us can live up to the real meaning and the real demands of the law. The law was given to point us to Christ and point to the need of a Savior. And that's uh, uh, what the Lord is in essence saying to uh, the rich young ruler here. And, you know, in his own self-sufficiency, the rich young ruler wanted to do something that would earn him salvation. And Christ answers that by saying, you know, there is only one who is good. There is, if you will, there is only one who could earn his salvation. And that was the uh, person that the rich young ruler was talking to. That was Christ himself. And he made it clear that uh, what the rich young ruler really needed was not to think about earning salvation or doing that, but simply to be willing to set aside anything that would hinder him from coming to Jesus and to just come and follow me, Christ said. Come and follow me. Okay, and so this passage is also not about possessions. And it doesn't teach that we must surrender all our possessions uh, to Christ or to uh, sell and give the money to the poor before you can obtain eternal life either. You know, Christ never made that a condition for salvation. He never said that we have to give up um, our worldly possessions but he did make it a condition for discipleship that we have to be willing to give up anything that hinders us from coming to Christ. Anything that stands in the way. You know, for this guy it was money. For somebody else it may be um, a relationship. For somebody else it might be uh, doing things that uh, he wants to do in lieu of what the Lord wants him to do. And you know, um, earlier where Christ talked about, if you really want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And that's what discipleship is all about. And finally, the the focus of this whole thing is about, and we've seen this both in Matthew, and we will see it in all the other Gospels as well, that Christ first calls a person to follow him, and that is really to begin learning from him. And there may be guys in here right now, sitting here right now, that you have not yet made a decision uh, to believe in Christ, to trust in him as your Savior. But the fact that you got up this morning, that you were willing to give up uh, that comfortable bed or that workout or something else that you would rather be doing than sitting here, says that you too want to come follow Jesus. And we hope that one of the things that Summit does is that it gives guys who are investigating the faith a chance in a safe place to ask uh, even hard questions and to explore what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And I think that's what this little little, um, section of Matthew 19 is all about. So first... Christ calls a person to follow him, and that means to begin learning from him as a disciple. Not all the disciples uh, were believers in Christ. Do you find that surprising? I mean, obviously, the, the prime example is Judas. Judas clearly wasn't a believer in Christ. Second, uh, uh, he calls his disciples to trust in him as the Messiah and as their Savior. And then finally, he calls his believing disciples, the ones who do trust him, 
to continue following him and to continue trusting him because he has an important job for them to do. And you know, guys, that's just as true for us today. And you know, um, remember how the, the rich young ruler says, what am I lacking? And Christ says to him, if you want to be complete, the, the Greek word there is the same word for perfect. And Christ uses that same word in the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 5:48, where he says that we're to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. And perfect there doesn't mean sinless perfection, but it means guys who have a single-minded focus on following Christ. Guys who are wholeheartedly following Christ. And that's something we talk about around here, that we want to uh, build men who will be fully devoted followers of Christ. And that's what it means to be complete. That's what it means to be perfect. As I mentioned, um, I had a decision to make about what would I be willing to do to come and follow Christ. And, you know, guys, I have not missed one thing about practicing law. And let me tell you, uh, I enjoyed practicing law. I was a trial lawyer, and there was nothing more fun than to go down and try to convince 12 people of my story. Uh, That was a lot of fun. But there is nothing I miss about this for the joy of getting to hang out with you guys and with other men here at Watermark to uh, talk about something I think that uh, is vitally important. You know, um, it is contrary to what you might think, not every day at Watermark is a great day. Um, You know, there are some uh, hard days that come along in this place as well. And uh, after having a few of those strung together, I was sitting there uh, studying one morning, and it just struck me and said, would I rather be reading something that I think contains the words of eternal life, or would I rather be reading the law that only leads to death for one side or the other? Um, So, you know, that was not a hard call. And so that's what I want to call you guys to. And, you know, uh, I had that graphically um, played out this week as I went to two funerals. One was a a front-page sort of funeral. Um, I was an honorary pallbearer. I was a friend of this guy, uh, and he was a great man and did a lot for the city of Dallas. And uh, um, it was a sweet service. Uh, You haven't been in a service until you hear the Hamilton Park men's choir come walking in, um, you know, all African-American guys who come walking in singing when the saints come marching in. And that was pretty uh, impressive. And the message that they said about this guy was that he was really a man for others, that he devoted his life to serving others. And, you know, um, this guy was a believer in Christ, and um, um, one of his sons got up there and just uh, read some great passages from uh, the book of Romans that was truly amazing and, you know, was a great summary of this guy's life. Um, And, you know, there were probably 2,000, 2,500 people uh, at this funeral. It was a, um, a big funeral. And to contrast that, Um, Lewis's funeral didn't have nearly that many people. Um, You know, it was up here in the Watermark Chapel. Uh, Blake did the uh, service, and um, it was a service that really lifted up the name of Christ. And to hear Lewis's granddaughter stand up there 
and really to um, bless her grandfather for the way that he and Rosemary had prayed over them and had been a picture of spiritual encouragement and what it means to walk with Christ and to hear stories about uh, Lewis retired at age 61, and so uh, he was 84 when he died. And so for the last 23 years, he has spent his life pouring into men and women, pouring into his family, um, pouring into Summit, being uh, uh, active here at Watermark, starting the Postmarks uh, group at Watermark. You saw the email from Todd. And what a difference he has made over the last 23 years by devoting his life, by giving up um, the opportunity to make more money, to be uh, an even bigger success in the business world. What a difference he has made by devoting his life to following Christ. And so uh, Lewis was a guy who, when the Lord said, come and follow me, give up all that you have and come and follow me, he was willing to do that. And he did it in such a way that he was a warrior for Christ. And so I want to close with um, a couple of thoughts. Um, I've got a couple of quotes up here that uh, I think capture um, Lewis's life. Jim Elliott said, uh, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, the rich young ruler wasn't willing to do that. Uh, Lewis Howard was. And Jim Elliott was as he died uh, uh, taking the gospel to Indians in Ecuador. And the same thing is said uh, uh, by the Lord in uh, Matthew. He says it a couple of different times. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And we know that Lewis Howard has found life. And so, guys, I want to close by calling you to do three things. First, we need to learn the lesson of the rich young ruler. And we must be willing to give up anything that hinders us from following Christ. Anything that hinders us from following Christ. He's not calling on us to go sell all our possessions and and give it to the poor. At some point, he may ask you to do that, but... Anything that hinders us from being fully devoted followers of Christ, that's what he's calling us to give up. And then second, I want to call you, each of you sitting here, to be the next Lewis Howard. You know, our friend Lewis is gone, and we need someone to step up and to step into his shoes. And each of you guys in here have the capacity and the gifts and the talents to be a Lewis Howard in your sphere of influence. And I want to call you to be the next Lewis Howard. And then finally, guys, most importantly, I want you to answer the call where Christ says, come and follow me. I want you to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I will come and follow you. And that's what Summit's all about. So next week we'll be doing Matthew 21 and 22. And let me close this with a word of prayer. Lord, we celebrate uh, our friend Lewis. And may he be an example of one um, who was willing to say, Yes, Lord, I will follow you. So, Father, may we learn from his example and may we emulate his ways so that we too, Father, may be fully devoted followers of your Son 
who are willing to do what it takes to give up what hinders us uh, to follow him. So be with us this week, Father, when you lift up all the guys who aren't here this week and pray that you would bring uh, everyone back here next week so we may continue uh, to uh, sharpen each other, that we might be fully devoted followers of your Son. In your Son's precious name, amen.